0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just out by, Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Start in full cry here.
0: Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardy, Hello, Bardy, Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and bouncy boy Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan.
1: <laughs> We're sticking with bouncy boy. That's, sticking uh... with
0: bouncy boy because uh, you tried to claim a bounce pass on no. On I, I stand
1: by that. No, that's right. That was any 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 one touch pass that counts. That counts as a bounce pass. Honest.
0: Let's uh, let's come back to that in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, there's quite a bit going on. They've got quite a lot to talk about. Um firstly, congratulations to, to Pierre Emile Hoybier, who got married this weekend. Looked like a very happy ceremony. Nice pictures. He looked very, very suave, I thought. Shaved his beard off. Well I,
2: if it wasn't a happy wedding something would be going wrong, Wendy, so yeah. That's true. Like
0: yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um he, he he's um He looks like a different man Clean shaven Mm. He looks so different A lot younger Yeah he does He looks
2: like He looks like a player That I'd be alright with Us signing A bit of a prospect (laughs) Yeah Instead of this grizzled old Guy that's played 10,000 minutes in One season
1: Yeah hopefully he gets A bit of resting On his honeymoon
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah good point Yeah I mean to be fair
0: Like the Euros made him seem like the kind of player you'd be interested in signing as well, right? He had, I think, he yeah. had the highest number of assists or second highest number of assists in the tournament, which uh, was surprisingly impressive. I think.
2: Let's um, let's sell him then while
0: his <laughs> while his stock is high. Let's sell, sell, sell. You're turning into Nathan. <laughs> um, one other bit of admin. I am looking for an accountant, and I would like to. I'd like to um, work with a Spurs fan, ideally give the Spurs fan some business. So it's literally just for self assessments, but it will be an ongoing thing. So if anyone um, wants some accountancy business, then um, then hit me up. You can write to me at podcast at the exchange dot um, On Patreon this week, we've had another episode of Straight Off the Training Ground. That's my that's my second podcast I do with Chris Somersell, who is a coach and an analyst um and he's brilliant he's really brilliant he's got great coaching knowledge showing talks about his own team and uh and some of the coaching routines that he uses uh and so the realities of what it's like to work in football it's been lovely to get to know chris and uh we really appreciate the, the the work that he does um and nathan you've got a, a second video coming on thursday you you'd released the first nuno video um and then this one is about his time at porto right
1: yeah, so uh <laughs> I I thought I thought there's a chance that Porto and Wolves would be a together video, but I think I think uh I've gathered all of my clips I think for the Porto video and that's gonna be uh, a full length one of its own merit. I d I don't want to say too much already, but like um the 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 impression that had been spoken about Nuno and what I sort of started to get the impression of when I was first watching the Porto games is there was quite significant differences between Porto and Valencia and Wolves but now I'm seeing sort of the same system applied to different circumstances
0: Ooh, okay
1: so that's what I think the focus of the video is gonna be on. And I'm hoping to get a few clips from the the Orient friendly as well for for uh continuity purposes. I don't know what I'm mm. going with that sentence.
0: Okay, let's let's do Orient. Let's do Orient. So you've already mentioned bounce pass and now you've mentioned the sort of tactical side of things. Uh I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued on, on your view. So uh Nuno Espiritu Santo was really keen prior to the game to sort of separate out the work that had been going on on the trading field from what we would see in the Orient match. He was keen to say, look, what we've been doing is fitness work, it's, it's preparation, it's it's like the underlying stuff. We haven't started the tactical stuff yet. So there was me sort of hoping to see a bit of a, a blueprint of Nuno Spurs. And then I felt like he just whitewashed that and said, yeah, don't expect that. Um, and and so I watched it with a sort of open mind Thinking this is just a, a tactical run out This is just uh, a, Sorry, not tactical run out A fitness run out um, And nothing more than that, it's a really hot day We're, we're playing a bunch of 18 year olds Like don't expect anything Don't expect to take anything from it Don't expect to make any takes mm uh but you you 'll say nathan you've seen a few things already yeah he
1: 's lying he 's absolutely he 's lying directly out of those lips he's he 's talking nonsense mate he 's throwing you off he 's giving you a a mysterious scent um so okay obviously like the the intricate levels of of the football that he wants to play are just not there at all, but it is very much like a rough impression, and the the um the sort of fundamental stylisms are sort of come into shape there, which is like the, the physical distance between the build-up play and the sort of attacking overload on the defensive line. Um, the the short pass combination between defenders and then the long pass over the top to attack. Um, the bounce pass via Lucas that I insist is definitely... Okay, uh, another name for a bounce pass is a wall pass, right? You have to imagine that Lucas is a wall. And your... Uh, was it Winks pass? Yep. Winks is playing the ball to Scarlet via a brick wall in the middle of the pitch. Lucas is the wall. So, okay, you can say, well, I think a button spot is more of a sort of a short combination thing in a smaller amount of space. Fine, if you want to say it, it's not that, but it's the same principle, it's the same idea. It's fire it into this area and then quickly. It's the two-way thing, right? It's um, <laughs> I'm I'm really stealing more and more of my video's content here, but it's like you're um, you're pushing all of your attacking players, right? Your forwards and your attacking midfielders into a close area together in terms of like vertical positioning on the pitch and then one of them's running towards the ball which is lucas and one of them's running away from the ball and then they're going to combine because as a defender where do you go right that's that's the principle there so maybe it's not a bounce pass but it's the whole the the move was very Nuno. so when he says oh we've just been doing fitness um he's 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 talking nonsense mate
0: this is really interesting because what you've revealed to me now is that i had totally misinterpreted what you meant previously by bounce pass okay um so let, let me deal with that first. So what I had thought you'd meant by my bounce pass is a pass where essentially it's a 1-2 where no one moves. It's essentially a quick 1-2, but the two players making the passes are static throughout. And the idea Often. is that you change the, the speed of the ball or you change the players around them. You you buy time for your players or the opposition players to move before you play this for the follow-up pass. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, One-on-two-touch passing... Was a massive, massive facet of early Pochettino Spurs. Like it was sure. like one of the primary tactics. It's one of the reasons why Eric Lamella was so um, seen as so vital at first because he was really good at playing like one and two touch passes. <laughs> before he used to like dribble with one foot all the time. Yeah. Um, he was really good at playing incisive through balls with one and two touches.
1: Well, this is the thing, like, that's Lucas's best pass we've seen since the North London Derby, like, two years ago, right? It's, it's, (laughs) when you take away the decision making away from Lucas and you say, get in this position and play the first time pass. Don't consider the other options. Don't control the ball, look down and then think about what you want to do, right? It's, Mm. go here, do this. And that's going to maximise Lucas for a few weeks, and then he'll go back to his old habits, and the, the window will have shut. And we'll have gone, oh, I thought Lucas was going to have a really good season. Well, we, maybe we should have sold him. Uh, uh, so I still want us to sell Lucas, obviously. Um, but we do have an issue with, like... um width on the right what we saw a little of in that game uh more than a little of is is the the tommy Yassi role is the is the defensive right back and the attacking left back i think um which means that we need our winger to provide the width on the right hand side obviously when he played that pass he wasn't in that moment and he came deep and he came narrow quite a lot um but we're pretty limited on our players who can do the width outright. right yeah mm-hmm. um Delhi's a right footer, not going to play wide out there. Uh, LaCelso is happy to receive in that position but then wants to move narrow move inside move deep and not carry the ball down the wing Bugvine can play that role it's not the best utilization of him i don't think and then lucas we sort of saw in that role again is is moving away from that position quite a bit so we don't really have a natural right width if we're going to play with a defensive right back so it's a curious one
0: i think son can play that role but is whether you want to move him away from the left where he's so effective yeah
1: he's just he's just better on the left um and that's the thing with him being like so two-footed it's like <laughs> uh okay I- i'm going to do my version of Bali's italy in mixed martial arts right in kickboxing in boxing you've got uh fighters who fight sort of in in one stance uh, an orthodox or a southpaw and you've got fighters who can fight in two stance uh, in two stances they can mix up they can go left hand lead right hand lead um and within that you also have a division of like They fight the same. They fight identical in the two positions or they have two completely different styles when they have one foot forward one or one the other foot forward right and I think Sun is very much that like he's very very two-footed mm. but he has very specific things right so mm. his right foot is for curlers his <laughs> left foot is for lasering with the inside of his foot yeah he, he can dribble with his right but with his hips tilted towards the left does that make sense so although he's two-footed he's very very one-sided he you can st- he, you know he's still scored goals from the right he can yeah. still do things from the right um, but it's very clear that he feels he's best from the left and he's trained himself to play off the left and and that's sort of where he wants to be
0: yeah i don't think you want to move i don't think you want to move son to be honest and the other noticeable thing was the 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 formation it was a 4-3-3 to my eyes um yeah uh, it was a very obvious 4-3-3 because of the way delhi was positioned so you had winks in the first half you had winks in the in the middle of the base then you had nile john to his right and delhi to his left and at times Delhi was dropping deep and collecting the ball from the centre backs, you know, it yeah. he was really deep, really, really deep. Um he he did fine. I don't think he was particularly impressive. It's the first game of pre season, it's a hot day, etc, etcetera. Et cetera. Um, but I don't want to see Delhi playing that role, personally. I want to see him if he's gonna be in a four three three, I want to see him as one of the front three, not one of the midfield three. And I think that was when he started to decline the Putatino when he moved back into the midfield. So that was um a Concern to be honest for me, but it, it could just be due to the available players, frankly, at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that it's fair to, to have that concern because I do think that Delhi was, yeah, is at his best the closer he is to go. Um, I suspect that he's probably being tried out in a central midfield role to see if that works for him, see if that's right for him yeah. under Nuno and, and that kind of thing. Um, the even though he's huh. so, even though he came deep a lot, the playing as a number eight in you know, a Nuno 433 is still quite an attacking role. Because like, <laughs> there's not that much like, <laughs> there's not that much midfielding going on with yeah. right? So when you're playing Delhi's role, especially the left-sided central midfield role, because the right back is defensive, so the build-up tends to lean towards the right, with the left fullback high, and then the left central midfielder is the one who has to recognise the time to come in and fill that that gap, come in and, and recognise. And I think that when Delhi went off later in the game. Um, we lost the understanding from younger players of, of when to come and fill that space and make that connection, and yeah. and so the play slowed down a lot, and and we the sort of second half barely happened at all. Um, but when you're playing that role, when Delhi's playing that role, it's like he's either like a number six or a number ten, right? You're constantly <laughs> moving between um, two sort of opposite extremes of material. You're either participating in deep build up, or you're like looking for either a running behind or to play the running behind um so i don't I, although i think Playing a central midfield role has been a problem for Delhi. Um, I think this one is possible for him, and I do think that we want to continue to experiment in playing that role. Um, what you need is other players who are also good at recognising when to fill that space, so Delhi gets his turn mm. getting to be a, a more attacking player. Um, but I, I thought he, he had really good recognition of, of helping the play from that role.
0: He played more long passes than I think I've ever seen Delhi play in a match before. Mm. Did you notice that? Which is another uh, argument in favour of Nuno is lying this was a tactical thing as well yeah um i know john was really impressive i think it's worth noting that um i mean i've seen a bit of of john before and he's a player i was pretty excited about to be honest he's he's a dynamic number eight who has played as a 10 and a six he's literally able to play any role in midfield uh but the, the key for me with john is that he's quite explosive one against one he can beat a man uh, but also his short passing game is really really good as well and he had that nice bit of play where he got in the end of a long pass kind of lobbed it over a defender and then had an attempt at goal which was which was eye-catching but it was always other stuff that was which was notable to me as well it's like the went like coming short to link play and being available to receive from winks Really
2: good stuff. Really impressive. Hmm. I think he was him and Scarlett were probably the most um, interesting things to come out of the game. It was good to see. Good. It was good to see Scarlett play. Um, I completely agree with Nathan. I think. I think Delhi's going to have to learn to play that role. I think that's where his future lies for us at the moment. In that kind of freer of the the freer third person in our midfield. But yeah, it was it was nice to see a young player step up and do something. And I'm not sure we can take a great deal from the game because it was it wasn't the greatest match of football, and it was a bit of a come down after after the Euros to <laughs> to watch Tottenham plod through a match. But um, yeah, now John got me excited. He's really good. Um, we've got another mm. game on Wednesday against Colchester, when I would expect to see
0: a few more youngsters. I mean, maybe they'll do a reverse of. Of this match, in terms of who was on the bench, might start. But I think we might see some different players also. I think Marcande, who scored a hat-trick for the 23s against Ramsgate. Um, we might see him play against Colchester, which would be cool.
2: Plus, it's a revenge match as well, isn't it? Got to get our revenge
0: for them <laughs> booting us out of the cup. Absolutely. What would also be really good is if we could see Skip and Cessignon play. And maybe and Dombele too, uh, because they were all absent, presumably for fitness reasons. Either they weren't ready or carrying knots or something um so yeah that that would be cool
2: it was um fun to see Carter Vickers play as well he's he's been at Tottenham for as long as I can remember it seems like he's been there all my life <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was fun to see him playing he's not bad he's not bad he's all right he's all
0: right isn't he he's I, he's I think right. he, could, he could play more for a, faith in him. he could play for a lower Premier League club and that would not be a problem I think
2: I reckon he could play in front of Dyer
0: You'd rather him a Dyer,
2: yeah, I think so.
0: Even after Dyer stepping in to to protect Callum Cisse? I
2: don't need I don't need a, a centre back who who who's who's very good at propaganda and sticking <laughs> up for players. I need a centre back that can clear the ball and not get lost with what's happening behind him. And I think Kart Vickers has a bit more spatial awareness than than Eric Dyer. Plus. I always keep saying the same thing. There's nothing else to learn. Dyer's not going to get any better. This is it now. He's only going to get worse from now on, uh, where perhaps we can eke out a couple more percentage in Carter Vickers. We won't, because he's, he's not very good either, but I'm so tired of Eric Dyer. It was nice to have um, six weeks away from him. <laughs> Carter Vickers is 23 now. Can you believe that?
0: I wonder it's if anyone's deal.
1: played more preseason minutes for us than Carter because He's like a, a preseason. <laughs> legend, he needs a, he needs a preseason testimonial pretty soon, I think.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, he's like the preseason fodder. <laughs> Him and um, Georgiou just made careers out of um, <laughs> yeah. s- s- Squad filling for us. And who was the other one? The one Alex from Bristol loved. Um, Anton Walks as well. Yeah. God, what, whatever happened to Anton Walks? <laughs>
0: Um, we had a question from Harry Sherlock who says, where do you guys think Scarlett is in his development? Can we realistically expect him to get minutes this season or would alone be best? Uh, he took his goal really well, I thought. Sharp left foot finish, he's a right footed player but that was a really handy finish. Um, I mean, I, I think his, where he is at the moment is a very raw 17 year old. Who is is learning his trade still, and I personally would expect him to play under twenty three football primarily. But I absolutely have no issue with him playing some conference
2: minutes. Like
0: that's that seems logical to me to stick him up front in the Europa Conference League.
2: I have um, a concern about Scarlett. Perhaps you can you can help me with this in the same kind of way when I saw Harry Kane play at the age of seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. That he he, he doesn't seem to have one outstanding feature which you could kind of rely on as a, as a youth player like you can't look at him and think oh my god he's going to be he's going to be a big guy and he's going to win duels or he's really fast or he's just got an explosive shot i'm a bit worried that in the same kind of way troy Parrot, he's just a bit kind of a, a rhombus like there's no sharp points to him <laughs> is this something that he's going to develop or it's just because we're looking at him versus like full-grown men that he doesn't seem to have an outstanding feature so I think Parrot is definitely like what you yeah. said about
0: Kane. Like He is an all-rounder. He Parrot is kind of pretty good at everything, but not outstanding at anything. Um, but I, I still do think Parrot is going to be really good, by the way. Um, but Scarlet, I think he, he, the thing that stands out for me with Scarlet. is two things. Firstly, timing of the run on the shoulder. Really, really impressive for one so young to be able to time a run as consistently well as him. And secondly, finishing. Both feet and head. Really, really good finisher. And I think, to be honest, that will serve him well. At whatever level he ends up at, whether it's Spurs or, or below, he will score goals. He's a natural goal scorer. He has been at every single level he's played at.
1: I, I feel like the, the, the parrot hype has died down and everyone's excited for Scarlett now. Um, but I, I'm still very much... More excited for Parrot than I am for Scarlet, and I think that that Parrot is still ahead of him in the pecking order, and, and Parrot is who we should be prioritising in, in the short term. With with Scarlet looking for a loan in the near future, I think. But there you go.
0: Yeah, I I I'm equally excited about both of them. To be honest, I think they're okay. both really, really good players, really good players. And it seemed like, although last year wasn't the best for Parrot in terms of what he achieved on the pitch, sure. I think it was a huge growth year for what he achieved off the pitch. Um, from the interviews he gave at the end of the season, he seemed to have learnt a lot about what it takes to be a footballer, and I think that's what he needed more than anything. Um, my, my reading between the lines is that they intend to play Scarlett this year as a backup or you know as a sub to give him minutes, whereas Parrott will be on loan again. But if that were reversed, I would have absolutely no issue with that at all. I'm fine either way. Um, speaking of young players, Gregory Krieg says, question on Skip. What is his best position going forward? Is he a deep lying shield for the back four, a slightly more advanced possession recycler type, or, and I'm straining here, someone we can think can be a bit of a creator, a kind of cut rate Ericsson replacement? Uh, and that ties in nicely to Nathan's comments about the, the midfield and kind of different roles in Nuno's midfield. Um, Barney, where do you see Skip ending up?
2: I mean, I didn't watch as much of him at Norwich as you guys did, but I don't think he's going to be a creator in an Ericsson mode. I think he's going to be, what, someone that, that recycles possession, I think. I think he, he he won't win the ball, but he'll be the kind of second of the three to kind of t- help tick t- things over and progress the ball. That's why I kind of see him playing, but um, I'm happy to take your guys' steer on it. I can definitely see him as the one kicking the ball against the wall, Nathan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think so too. Yeah. I I think his 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 future is, is as a number six. As a he's very Hoybio like like um like we talked about before with with um uh Hoibier's sort of performances for Denmark. Should we be, be considering him as a number eight? It's the same thing for Skip. He's he's played a lot of minutes as number eight, and that's good for him developmentally. Um, but now you know he has to sort of make way from that role for sort of more expressive, creative uh players, more skillful players, and and refine his game around being. Sort sort of safe and secure um defensive and and and, and be a uh, be in number six and, and play that role for us i think i think that's really good for him to be hojbjerg's backup
2: so i, I got a question for question for you guys so at the moment we're looking at huyberg skip endombele and um ali as our kind of four if we're going to play a 4-3-3 three, three. of those four which is the best free combination to play or you including the cells AT? Ah, shit, I forgot about La Celso. Okay, we've got La Celso. Okay, fair enough. So it, it improves our options even more. Do we have a midfield trio that can play from those five, or do we have to buy somebody?
0: It's a good question. I mean, I'm still... I've said it for a year now. I still really want to see Huey Pierre, Dombele and the Celso as a midfield three, and I think they can work in the Nuno midfield. I don't see a reason why they can't work. So you'd have Ndombele on the left of the three, the Celso on the right of the three, Hueybier at the base, and like I'm happy to run with that and just let it happen and, and give it a go. Um but equally, I'm up for skip at the base and Hueybier as one of the one of the two more free players um, in a, in a game where we need a slightly more defensive approach, I think that can work too. And if you add in the Celso there as a third, that's a that's a grafting midfield, isn't it? Skip, Puy-Bierre and the Celso. You can imagine them covering a lot of ground, making making us very difficult to play against. What do you
1: think, Nathan? No, I, I think Hovia has to has to remain in, in a sitting role, pretty much under under almost all circumstances for us. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few combinations there, but it looks like from the rumours that we are looking at midfielders that we're not mm. happy with the current midfield makeup. That um, I don't know, I don't know. It's a weird one. Uh, I think there's I think there's the talent there. Maybe there's concerns about how things have gone so far, but I would. Uh, I don't know what Nuno might might have sort of discussed with him, but I I would like to run our existing talent under our new coach before mm. we we panic too much about about the the makeup. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Hoyer and Domblay and Lo Celso is a really good midfield, um, and especially and it, like to be to be fair, especially for for Nuno in the way that he he wants his att- eight to take up very, very attacking roles most of the time. I think that's a really good fit. So. Um, Yeah, I think that we should run with what we got,
0: but there you go. The the counterpoint to that is what we saw at Wolves, which I know is a different system, but Neves and uh, Jean Martino played very sort of um, conservative roles. You know, and, and if you're going with that sort of shape in the field, then it's Skip and yeah.
1: Well, this is the thing, is that the other the other bit of news recently is that we're looking for uh, forwards to play alongside Harry hmm. Kane. We're looking at the likes of uh, Danny Ings and um, uh, the Fiorentina forward, whose name I've forgotten, Lavlich. Um So players who are fast, fast in-behind runners, Dane Scarlett type players, right? Um to do Kane's running for him both like in possession, so that yes. he's making those darts in behind, and out of possession um, doing doing Harry Kane's defensive work for him. Which kind of throws off the 4-3-3 that we've seen so far, that I was yeah. sort of speculative towards before we saw it, that he's sort of been consistent throughout his career, um, and leaves us with either 4-4-2, a diamond, or... Um, a three-five-two, all of which we have seen before for Nuno at various teams. So, um... Maybe that is what he's saying when he's like, oh, don't don't read too much into what you saw in this game tactically because as soon as we get a new striker and I'll be playing four four two or whatever. Uh, so maybe all of this discussion around Hoybia and Domblin and Lo Celso is irrelevant and the reason we want change in our midfield is because we want to play more of a midfield too. But the argument that I... So <laughs> I've already recorded some of the video, right? I did a session with my tactics boards <laughs> and I'm really Ooh. eating into that content <laughs> where I explained that basically... Um, no matter what the sort of starting formation on paper, it always moves into the same shape. It always becomes a 6, joining the defense, a sort of a 3 plus 1, and then everyone else just pushing way up and overloading the defensive line. Um, So (laughs) formation's like quite irrelevant with Nuno. Uh, I guess it's more important defensively than offensively, but it's going to determine our personnel.
0: Mm. So I had a conspiracy theory with um, the Ings link and the sort of rumours that we're looking for a second striker. My conspiracy theory was that essentially, of course we'd say that because we want to get Mm. another striker fairly cheaply before we sell Kane and the (laughs) teams know we've got 150 million in the bank. But then why is Ings your Harry Kane replacement? (laughs) Or well, maybe that's that's the level they'll be shopping at. I mean, oh, it, it's, I know it's not exactly it's not exactly exciting, is it? But on the other hand, he guarantees goals. I mean, he does it's not guarantee bad. goals. The, he's, he's not bad. He's not bad. He's not, the worst he's not striker.
1: bad. is he twenty eight or twenty nine? Long history yeah. of injuries. Right. He's twenty eight until he's twenty nine. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but again, like the the, the profile of what we're looking at are these the running behinds types, which Ooh. which makes sense to play with Harry Kane. The idea is that we're gonna sell him and just get you know a, a decent a good striker who does one basic thing well, a, a poacher, an in behind poacher. It, it's it's quite a drastic change in style, and the idea is that you would then reinvest that money in the midfield and defence. I don't know, I don't and also we should have been in for andre silva who who, yeah. who blossomed under nuno at porto uh, and has now gone to leipzig we should have been in for him earlier but whatever
2: i'm still not convinced by andre silva it's just i'm not i'm not sold on him but he, um, our friends at the athletic listed andre silva um zapata at atalanta and um, Vlaovic as um, logical transfers for tottenham to replace harry kane so see see
0: nathan i'm not convinced that ings is a running behind striker anymore uh, owing to owing to injuries and also the fact that he's becoming much more of a link player as he's got older, like he comes short for, for Southampton. Certainly, he comes short for the ball a lot more. Uh, only that is part of their system. Him and Adams will regularly drop into midfield and pick up the ball, uh, with the wingers then running in behind. But like he's not that player he once was at Burnley. He doesn't just make constant runs in behind. He's much more of a uh, intelligent sort of nine and a half, I would say these days. And I just don't think you buy if if you're looking for someone to take some of the pressure off Kane's legs, you don't buy another player with a history of chronic injuries. Who's yes. twenty nine? It's uh it's bad news.
1: Well if we're if we're selling Harry Kane we should buy odds on Edward and that's, yes. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> completely correct. Um this was an interesting one. Dan Alvarez says, Aside from Kane, who do you feel will be the next Spurs player to get England cap? Will it be one of the vets, Delhi, Winx, Dyer, one of the kids, Skip Sessanyon Tanganga, or someone who isn't in the side yet, i.e. a future signing? A couple of years ago it felt like we were integral to the England setup. Nowadays it feels like we're a waning influence, which is a bummer.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think that Skip, Sessanyong or Tanganga are like they need they they need to have full strong seasons for Spurs, which they're a season off from at least each, right? They're all deputies to their to their role so they need to claim that position then maintain that position for a while and then get called into the England squad so I think they're all off for quite a while uh, Winks and Dyer, I don't see I suppose Dyer could because he's just sort of versatile Winks I don't see making the England team again not while he's at Spurs anyway um, so I think that our best bet is is Delhi because if Delhi comes back into the Spurs team, plays really well for ten games, he's he's in with the call again. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is very much in the cards. And people don't feel that way right now. People are really critical of his performance in the friendly, and I don't understand that at all because again, he was the one who was smart at recognizing when to fill the space and stuff like that. But whatever, I think there are pretty strong agendas against Delhi, so I'll just let that go. Um, but I think that like yeah, I think if you look, and I made this point before, but if you look at Luke. Sure. Look at where he was in his career after after he had to deal with Mourinho and now he's um one of the best left backs in the world. God is he he might be contingent for best left back in the world right right at this moment. It's um, close. Had, a, had a brilliant tournament for England. Scored in the final. Um, you know.
0: The the, the trajectory of the careers of Luke Shaw and Delhi are so similar, it's insane. Like mm. broke through very young for a smaller team, got a transfer to a bigger team, got bullied by José Mourinho, <laughs> went like had a had a season or two of falling off a cliff um as a result. Um and then in Luke Shaw's case has been utterly resurgent. We just have to hope that Delhi mirrors that. I think they might be the same age too, very close in age.
2: Uh yeah, I think I mean Delhi Delhi was in a bit of a funk before He, he, was, he, he was. hadn't he hadn't been for he hadn't been at he hadn't been performing at the top level and he did have a little bit of a resurgence under under Mourinho before it completely fell away again.
0: Yeah, that is true. That's completely true. But yeah, I agree with Nathan. I think Delhi is most likely to be next. I think I think Winks is a lot more likely than Dyer. I mean, the, the, some of the ITK suggested that Nuno wants to give Winks a chance and thinks that there's something there, which I'm not keen on. Um, but then it depends on what kind of midfield shape he's playing, I think, because Winx can do certain things pretty well and others less well. So,
1: yeah. You wrote a rundown of our homegrown situation recently. Do we need to buy English players?
0: Not really. No. No, we don't need to worry too much about it. The, the only thing is we need to make sure we do actually clear players out because we are restricted at the moment with what sort of non-English players, non-homegrown players we can buy by the fact yeah. that our squad is absolutely chock full of deadwood it's really crucial that we start and this is the thing that's worrying me a little bit you know we're a long way into the summer and we've sold one Foyt, and we've released a few players and that's it and we know that you know Orien, older want to leave and hopefully they'll get their moves and that clears up a couple of spaces but there's a lot of players that there's barely been any rumors about we need to start shifting players before we can you know have some exciting new things to play with Uh, Jeff Fieldsend says, Wendy's comments about penalty shootouts reducing a team game to one of individual combat made me wonder whether a better solution, which would to some extent overcome this, would be for 10 penalties to be taken by each team rather than five. I would suggest 11, so the whole team would take one, but given the match will have already lasted 120 minutes, there is a danger of forcing an injured player to take one. I think we need to acknowledge that for all their deficiencies and unfairness, the drama and simplicity of penalties has heightened the appeal of the game to a wider layer of the public. Technocratic solutions, for example, those involving expected goals, callers, and yellow cards, would, I think, be a turn off for this wider <laughs> layer of viewers and fans.
2: Yeah, what do you think, Bardi? Ten penalties rather than five? No, we can't sit there for ten penalties. <laughs> just just pick five. Your five best versus the other five best and get it done with. We've already sat for an hour uh, 120 minutes of football. There's no need to make it go any longer.
1: What if we ditched extra time for more penalties?
2: No, I, I think extra time is, is good. There's been some pretty decent extra time in the Euros. I, going straight to penalties does offer for me, it does switch straight to the kind of lottery thing immediately. Let's let's have another half an hour and, and see what could happen. You know, England scored against Denmark in extra time. There was the Spain Croatia game which extra time was pretty good. The Italy, Austria extra time was pretty good. I think we saw enough in the extra times at this tournament to kind of justify keep keeping going with it. I feel like extra time only tends
0: to settle a game where like one side's been obviously better and just not quite got the ball over the line, and then the extra thirty minutes gives them a chance to create more chances and and build that head of steam into a goal. It's not one. It's not like one where if a match has been genuinely even, they carry on really going hell for leather at each other for thirty minutes. That tends not to happen they tend to just sort of let the extra time play out if anything and keep things relatively mm. safe um, so I, I'm in favour I like Golden Goal for that reason
2: oh no, no I hate no, Golden whoosh. Goal I, I was um, you know I, I got crushed by the Golden Goal in 2000 I, n- I never want to see it again Nathan what do you think of the 10 penalties suggestion
1: I, I want any excuse to get rid of extra time. Um, I think mm. it's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> um,
0: Do you hate it more than penalties?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. At least penalties is entertaining. Um, conclusive. Not doing
0: It's only entertaining when it's not your team in it.
1: No. Okay, fine. Um, but extra time just does so much more damage than it does good. Like it, it wears mm. you, players are dropping with cramp all over the shop. Yeah. Um, and, and like you get very little in return, like in terms of goals, I think, uh, I, I, I yeah, that, I mean, there were a whole bunch of like, um, leaked FIFA plans for the complete reinvention of football. Really? Uh, oh, oh, see, so you, <laughs> you're not online sufficiently anymore. When you yeah. You don't see these things. Let me, let me find them real quick. Um, so um, 30 minute halves with a stop clock. Okay. So the, the thinking behind this, I think, is really smart. Essentially, we play this ninety-plus-minute game in which the ball is actually in play for roughly sixty <laughs> minutes, right? Where the referee is meant to like guess how long the ball has been out of play and then make that up. But if that was the case, he'd be adding like fifteen to twenty minutes on the end of each half, right? <laughs> and that's the reality. Um, instead, he adds four and then blows his whistle at three minutes thirty. So um, thirty minutes. Real, like actual thirty minutes, pure thirty minutes. The clock is stopped and the ball is out of play. No more time wasting. Uh, personally, I think that there is, there are, there are pro time wasting arguments to be had. Um, but the idea is that you then get a regimented exact amount of time that every game is. Um, unlimited subs is um, kind of crazy to me. But again, this is meant to go in hand, right? So you're no longer using subs for the purpose of time wasting. All subs are are for their own merit, for their own their own benefit. I think there are, again, a lot of sort of pro fatigue reasons. I would recommend saying like keeping your three, uh, we'll call them now, senior subs and then having bonus under-21 or under-23 homegrown subs as a way of, of, of um, um, persuading those, those, those minutes onto, onto Skip, onto Young onto Divine or whatever. Um, they are looking at throw-ins played with your feet, which um just as a sentence on its own is an absolute uh recipe for complete disaster because every throw-in becomes a free kick and about yeah. throwing men up in the box. But if you like if you have to keep the ball on the ground or it's a foul, if you have to go backwards, if you want to explore options like that, I think there is something there. Throw ins are such a miss. We talked about this before recently, about how throw ins are like a disadvantage essentially for the team who are having them. I think instead, look at what Liverpool are doing, teams could simply just be smarter with what they do with throw ins. Um and you, and you can see one of the big changes is that Liverpool now just take their throw-ins instantly. They're quick throws. Mm-hmm. They're not waiting for teams to settle into a defensive shape where they can make use of their numerical advantage over you. Get the ball, lob it in behind first time. That's how you take the throw-in. But nonetheless, they they do sort of they do feel kind of out of place within football. Um, they are a bit weird. And then a five-minute suspension for a yellow card, which again is very dangerous because I think that you just get teams parking the bus for five minutes. Um, Unless in, in they're te- they're chasing a, a draw or a win, um, so I mean, yeah, FIFA want to completely change the game.
2: I, I am quite interested in the in the stopwatch one because I when Jose Mourinho beat beat us at Wembley that season when we lost 1-0 and De Gea had an almighty match. I think um, he was incredible wasting time. And I think we lost maybe 20 minutes of the 90 minutes just by De Gea taking goal kicks. So I do, I am interested in that, but I do think the issue with football is they try to make the game translatable across all levels. And I'm not sure whether some chap down the park would be able to keep control of a match. (laughs) All, all all Bob the referee would need to do is forget to hit stop at one point and the game would descend into chaos, so I'm not sure how practical that is to make it something that can be implemented everywhere
0: yeah that's that's a really interesting point body actually whether it's repeatable um, without sort of proper match officials um the, the subs idea, Nathan, the, the problem with having an unlimited number of under-18 or under-21 subs is that you'll find the big clubs just mop up all the best under-21 talent more than mm. they already do, which is already an issue, um, and I don't like that concept, really, but... Um, but I'm not necessarily against unlimited subs. I think the five subs rule has worked fine, so I have no problem with unlimited. I get, I guess, again, it, it it means that those with a larger budget have another advantage because they can always bring on a fresh team, uh, which is equally talented to their their first first eleven.
2: Yeah, I, I, did, I have enjoyed I have enjoyed the five subs over the over the summer and it's been interesting to see how managers have used those subs to change the the flow of a game. Yeah. But then you you do see a match, for example, where England play against Denmark and when Denmark needs to turn to their bench, they've just got they got nothing there. Whereas England can just pull out Grealish or Sancho or whoever. So yeah, it does end up just supporting and helping the bigger mm. team. So maybe maybe we stick to three. Maybe we stick to three. I mean when You making six substitutes like we saw in some games then it was getting a bit unruly a bit all over the top but uh, I I do agree with you that if it was under 21 players or under 23 players you would get Manchester City Chelsea and the rest of them just harvesting youth players not sending them out on loan which doesn't benefit lower leagues doesn't benefit player development just for them to be used as substitutes
1: we have been linked mid-recording with Atalanta's
2: uh, Christian Romero Um, that's such a good 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 link
1: yeah Tell us yeah, more. he's a
2: good defender. He's a good defender. He, he he reminds me a bit of like a Montero from back in the day. He's he's a strong defender. He doesn't take doesn't take any prisoners. Yeah. He's very tall. He's very elegant. He's he's got that Argentinian kind of oomph about him, but not in that kind of oafish uh, sesame Street, sesame Street character that Fazio has. <laughs> um, I like the cut of his jib. I think he'd be an excellent signing, and I think he'd be an excellent defender. And I'm. Very excited! I saw that just pop up now. I just, I'd be very excited about making that signing. What sort so of money um, are we talking? Um, I mean, Atalanta like to sell for big, so I don't know. I guess twenty-five, thirty million, which I think is probably a bargain.
1: Yeah. So, so Atalanta plays a really difficult. So he he plays a sort of a really aggressive front for, He's a dog, Windy. He's um he's he's very much a dog, uh, uh, and has sort of corresponding defensive numbers with that. But the thing with 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 uh, players from that team is that like they're kind of hard to, to judge sort of apart from the way that that team play um, uh, especially in terms of like aggressive defending because like that's that's way up there um, but I mean you know um, I, I definitely think it's an exciting link I just think that like it, it's for me it's going to require some sort of thorough research but uh, because but the, the Castagna signing went well for, for Leicester so yeah it uh, did yeah an interesting one
2: yeah there is that risk about Atalanta, Nathan's right, that they're so kind of wedded to their manager's beliefs and manager's system that they can struggle to adapt when they move to other clubs. Um, but Castagna does stand out. Um, Kessie's another one that looked amazing at Atalanta. Then he went to Milan and it's taken him a while to yeah. settle. Um, so there are individuals like that. I think he does have a nice partnership. Romero, he he, he kind of dovetails well with Toloy, who's a very gifted footballer. We saw him at the Euros be able to play at centre back and up right back. He's very good on the ball, so I I I would have confidence in this sign And this, he's not he's not Italian, but even though he's coming from a Serie A team, I, I would have confidence in the sign. He's he's a sh- huge step up from Dyer hmm. and um, and the rest of them. Twenty three. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Nathan.
0: As soon as you mentioned the name, I just. Um I looked up I looked them up on FB Ref to sort of okay. check up the numbers and, and the numbers absolutely scream dog at me. I mean in fact I should say they absolutely <laughs> bark dog at me. Uh 99th percentile for pressures and interceptions, ninety-eighth <laughs> percentile for tackles, ninety-first percentile for aerials one. I mean, this is an aggressive <laughs> this is an aggressive front foot defender who is making lots of defensive interactions. What about his um, his in possession
1: stats? Is he a progressor?
0: Not a progressor. So progressive mm. passes are sort of mid range percentile, but his pass completion is fairly high. Um, he has a ha- fairly high number of, of, of touches uh, in the penalty area. So perhaps that explain that kind of could um, describe set piece. Target that he might be a set piece target. He he gets a lot of assists for a centre back. That again, maybe he's the first port of call for a defensive, uh, for an attacking corner routine. Um, Uh A relatively high number of of non penalty goals, also, and shot creating action. So, yeah, this looks good in both boxes, basically. I would say, yeah.
2: Okay. That's cheered
0: you up, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I you mean, got a all, smile well, all of the defensive links have been pretty good so far, I would Almost say. Almost all of the
1: links have been good, man. Uh, or Ings, maybe. I uh, have some um, some some doubts on injury history and, and age and your your theory that he's a Harry Kane replacement. But, <laughs> but generally, the names that are coming up, and I made this point before, but the names that have been coming up ever since peratici has been in charge of transfers has been... Um, it's impressive. The right words, not impressive until the signings are actually made, I guess. But promising, exciting.
0: Yes. yes. The only the only thing that is clearly absent in all of this is uh, an attacking right back. That's and I, and I think we need an attacking right back still. It, I mean, obviously, it depends on what system we're going to play. Um, and it does seem that he wants to play Tommy as the right back, but I, like it means you've got Matt Dawty as your attacking right back option, and I don't feel quite satisfied with that. Maybe it'll work out fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only thing I think is missing. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, let's uh, let sign some good defenders. It doesn't doesn't
2: bode well for your mate Davinson, though, Bardi. Ah, it's okay. I'll sell him out for for the sake of the club. But like I do with most of my friends, I'll sell them out for the greater good. <laughs> so on on the the
0: topic of transfers, uh, Matt T says, assuming money isn't an issue and all players would want to join, who's the one player each of you would sign this summer? so like who's the who's the dream signing for Spurs like money's no object all players are attracted to the Nuno project who's signing
2: can you hear that yeah is it it your ice cream yeah there's an ice cream van outside (laughs) I thought mine, mine mine is gone um who, you, who wants to go first on this Nathan do you want to go first <laughs> this is
1: always such a silly question my, my answer is 34 year old Leo Messi like it's, ne- it's <laughs> really? never not that's never not the answer really um, yeah yeah of course of course because he's he's the greatest player ever he's still just about probably the best player in the world well, we could sign Mbappe and have more years out of him uh, we could sign Haaland and have more years out of him but yeah uh, I don't know, and, and this is the thing is that like the the best possible signings that we can make are not what the squad needs unless we're selling Kane.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was. That's where I was thinking you were going to go okay. with this. Like, all right so, the, so the signing that the squad needs.
1: Sell Kane, by Haland. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> and then we can well, continue. Or um,
2: yeah. by um, Donnarumma, let's get let's get a goalkeeper in for the next fifteen for, years. No, so we you've got think about it.
1: you've got a token to sign any any one player rumor is as good a signing as you could possibly make in terms of goalkeeping, right? Because he's maybe the best goalkeeper in the world right now. And he's young, so I get what you're saying. Wrap that up for 15 years. I, that makes sense. But you're in doing that, you're turning down Erling Haaland or Kylian Bappe or um, God, who are the best centre back prospects? The very best centre back prospects. Well, maybe Jules Kunday, To be honest, um, I don't think you want to use that on a goalkeeper. But it's such a silly question because it becomes like completely immensely irrelevant. Unless, unless, yeah. you, unless I say you know Kunde. Um, uh, who are who are the better centre? I feel
2: like there's yeah. I've, I've... I remember this question coming up once and I think it was with you two as well and I said we should sign Ndidi and then <laughs> you, you guys all went De Bruyne or yeah, or I, I love Ndidi I love Ndidi yeah but I was thinking logically about what we could do and who we needed so I, yeah I would sign let's sign um, let's go for Locatelli then let's, go, let's sign mine and Wendy's boy.
0: <laughs> so I knew you'd go for an Italian this is why you wanted to shoehorn Donderou just... the in there as well best team
2: in Europe mate got you got to put them in
0: <laughs> yeah I mean Fact. I it's it's sort of it's sort of hard not to. When Nathan said the messy thing, I was thinking, what? Like you're not going to get many years out of him, but but maybe you will, and maybe you don't need to because he'll probably win you the league in yeah. in the one or two years he's with you. Yep. Um, so it's sort of hard to look beyond that. Um, but yeah, Ho- Holland would be incredible absolutely incredible for like if if he was if if the part in matt's question which is and they're happy they want to join if that lasts for a decade like if you're signing Horden for a decade then absolutely get him in that'd be incredible okay last question this one's been sitting here a while so apologies to alex chincotta who asked it quite a while back now so he says looking back in hindsight now how much of where the club sits as a known top six club, especially back from years ago during 2016 to 19, is down to Levy or is down to luck and Pochettino's magic? Levy's first choice manager, first choice for a manager back in 2014, was Van Gaal, but after he turned down the job, the club resorted to their third choice and hired Pochettino. What I'm specifically asking is whether Daniel Levy just got extremely lucky with a manager in Poch. He used his magic to transform the club and propel them massively while bringing in a load of revenue over the years. Because looking back now, I think the hiring of Poch just sped up the process of Daniel Levy's long-term vision. Poch has propelled this club to a huge platform, and since his departure, Daniel Levy has made a wrong decision every step of the way the past two years. Initially, I believed that Levy was a good decision-maker, but since the sacking of Poch and what was entailed these last two seasons, I am weighing up whether Levy actually conducted a good job and instead I think he's gone very lucky if you asked me one and a half years ago if Levy could build upon the strong base Poch set both as a squad of players and as a known elite club in England and Europe I would have said 100% yes but at the moment I'm seriously doubting the ability of Daniel Levy and whether he can get his club back to where Poch took it to and the thought of it frightens me.
2: I mean, there's, there's a couple of things here which which pop out to me and it's the, um, the uh, Levy wanted Van Hal to start with and you know in football nothing just like every transfer is not a guaranteed success is not always a guaranteed success with a manager as well Alex Ferguson one of the greatest managers that ever existed was nearly fired and had Mark Robbins not scored a goal in an FA Cup tie to keep a minute then he would have been fired way before he, he was able to create a legacy in Manchester United and I do think Levy has got a few things wrong but that's just part and parcel of becoming of, of being a football manager um van Hal was was the, was the kind of obvious choice at the time and even though mourinho was a mistake you could still kind of see what he was doing there and there's there's no formula for success unless you go out and give 500 million pounds to pep guardiola there, there's, <laughs> there's, there's there's nothing else really there that work that can work so i think tottenham have to try and find ways around that and he's tried to do that and he's made mistakes and he's got things wrong um but that's football, man. It, it, it can't, things don't always work out and that's just the way it goes. You did move the question so I couldn't look at it anymore, Wendy, you sneaky little you sneaky person. <laughs> that wasn't deliberate. Um <laughs> No you're you're right that
0: you you're right that things don't always work out. And also, just because things didn't work out with a manager at another club doesn't mean it wouldn't have worked out at Spurs as well. So kind of the same thing works in in, in reverse. So maybe Van Hal would have been absolutely fine at Spurs and it would have been a success. Um, I do think there's something in Alex's question, because I too have lost faith in Daniel Levy. Um, and I think that's why I'm pleased that we've got Paratici now, because it kind of... Removes some of the some of the decision making from Levy. It gives him a right hand man who knows football much better than Daniel Levy does, frankly. And it allows Levy to focus on th- hopefully it allows Levy to focus on the things that he's good at. And you know he's he's shown that he's good at over a long long time now at Spurs. Um. So yes, I am. I I think I agree. I think I agree with with what Alex is getting at. I definitely think Pochettino took us at the start miles ahead of schedule. I don't think that necessarily continued. Like, I don't think he kept up with himself, if that makes sense. Um, and I think he wasn't helped along the way with some poor decision-making by the club one way, or, one way or another. And perhaps he needed a director of football himself to sort of give him a nudge in the right direction at that point, which is probably why we tried to get Pratiji back when Poch was still the manager. But yeah, broadly speaking, I think I agree. How about you, Nathan?
1: I, I strongly agree. I, I um I mean, my... <laughs> my own understanding of football has, has, has dramatically improved during the time that Poch's been at the club. And so like there's been this period of time where Levy hasn't really made any single major decision. Um, and, and I've, he's maintained sort of a benefit of doubt in my mind. Um, uh, and then suddenly he's made a bunch,
0: and none of them have been great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I sort of like the the Mourinho one was like, Ooh, he's made a mistake there." But like the the search for manager this summer, the 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 things he's been in favour of, the, uh, according to reporting, and the things he's been against, really, really strongly made me feel that we Alex is spot on that we just lucked into Pochettino. Mm. I think that, like business-wise, financial management-wise, Levy's been ahead of the game significantly. And uh, I've argued this before that, like his his business mind is really strong compared to c- competitors. Um, but, but he just doesn't know much at all about football. And and we were so lucky to stumble into Pochino after failing again and again. I think that we we could possibly have had similar success with Viasboas, had things gone better with him. Um, so, like, there's a vague idea or sort of impression towards, oh, let's try younger foreign coaches who have a history of, of playing some kind of, you know, possession football or whatever. But there's so much just guessing into the dark with Levy. Um, good signings that we've made under him are to be attributed to people, other people he's lucked into hiring. Um, again, you know, the, the work that he's done in terms of financial management, the stadium, all that kind of stuff. Um, we still have one of the best chairman in the world in terms of that, but his 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 contribution towards the football side of things has been i think has been pretty abysmal and 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 a bit lucky here and there so uh yeah much more of it is on on and on the luck of landing Pochettino than than belongs to levy that's how i feel now after this summer i gave levy more of a share of that before but but i don't anymore
0: uh, what i'm hearing from, from you this episode nathan is uh, alex c good questions matt t bad questions
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I'm gonna fight for Matt T. Uh, I liked his question and No but um, he
1: knows what he's doing. Like Matt T's a smart guy. He knows he's playing a trap with that card. He he knows that he's setting us up. It's not that he that's like that question is not indicative of his understanding of football. He's playing a game, right? So uh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs>
0: he's teasing you. He's teasing me. The T is a tease. <laughs> um Body, how are you gonna how are you gonna celebrate uh, the great unlocking?
2: The Great Unlocking. <laughs> I was going to call it Freedom Day, but it's not Freedom Day, is it? Um, I'm I'm just happy to be much better than I was last week. I'm happy that my personal unlocking, my 10 days of isolation, was over today. And I was able to go out for for a run. Well, I, I kind of call it a run, but I don't know what's happened to my body over coronavirus. So I'm, I, I celebrate by going out for a nice run this morning, Wendy. Saw some fields, saw some other humans apart from my wife and my... <laughs> pain in the backside puppy dog so it was it was nice to be out so you're still struggling with symptoms um yeah i just don't have the power in my lungs anymore i said i said in our in our discord server that i feel like i've got the lungs of a a person that's worked many many decades down a mine which is really sad but i'm hoping this is just a temporary thing it's a nasty virus that attacks the airways and lungs so yeah It's it's a proper bastard that's what it is yeah
0: it is Uh, Nathan I imagine you are in a similar position to me which is my other half is extremely clinically vulnerable and this is an absolute nightmare because what the government have done is essentially made no space safe Um, and I'm trying to sort of work out how we come to terms with trying to live a life and maintain safety it's not great how about you Nathan
1: yeah no I'm going to go join the violent protest down in London today uh, the anti-lockdown on the day that everyone is released from lockdown (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolute nutcases what are they protesting at well this is the thing is clearly not an anti-lockdown protest is it they are just angry people who are mad at the world mm. and want to shout at someone and, and maybe fight some someone as well uh and there's there's a lot more to this i think than the lockdown and and civil liberties there's a there's a lot more kind of underlying nastiness uh, about it and this is a this is a way of them coming together and expressing that anger uh, and and so you've got <laughs> Oh, my God, it's so ludicrous when you think about it. They've got people telling them that the vaccine is laced with with 5G. It's absolute, it's lunacy. There, there are
2: literally hundreds of people. I, I can't even. I can't go there.
1: <laughs> I really set you off for that, didn't I? Yeah,
2: Ad- they can go do whatever they want today. They can go <laughs> exactly. sit next to each other in a the cinema. They can go raving. They can go do. They can sit on the tube without a mask on. They they can pretty much do whatever they want. But they're in the hot, in the heat, in central London, shouting at some coppers who got who just paid there to kind of listen to their bullshit. They could actually do anything they wanted today. It should be people, those people who are protesting the, the Freedom Day, should actually be down there complaining. They <laughs> they're not. They can do exactly what they want to do. You're
0: right, Bardi. They can do whatever the hell they want to do today for the first time in months. And what they've chosen to do is to go into central London together and (laughs) and chant about vaccines being bioweapons and surveillance systems. It is absolutely insane. But, I mean, the thing is... These people have been radicalised online during this last 18 months, and in many ways we should be feeling sorry for them, not not laughing at them, because, like, how do they come back from this in life? If you're that... I have friends now who've been, been radicalised in the same way, unfortunately, and, like, I, they're not friends anymore because they're insane. Like, what, how do you come back from that position? I don't know. I don't know how you, how you... If anyone has any advice on how you how you try and encourage people away from insane conspiracy theories and get them back out the rabbit hole please get in touch because I have no idea where to start
1: they're um, they're right to be angry they just don't know what it is that they should be angry about
0: you've been listening to The Extra Inch thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music you can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his soundcloud D Lindmer do check him out he's great follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.